Hello, and welcome to the Manga Splaining Season 1 recap episode. Technically 26, but really more of a bonus episode where we look back at all of the manga that we covered for people that don't really read manga. Hosted by Dabaoki, David Brothers, Chip Zdarsky, and myself, Christopher Butcher. You can follow along online usually at mangasplaining.com, but I literally can't imagine doing show notes for this episode. It's going to be all over the place. So here we go. Yeah, we did 26 of these or 25. We just recorded the 25th. I'm really proud that we saw that through. That's really good. Thank you all so much. That was really fun as a season. And I'm glad we're all going to do season two. That's kind of surprising as well. Well, it depends on how contract negotiations work out. Yeah. Fair, yeah. Fair. Things are pretty tense. <laughs> well, I hope, hope this might be the last episode. It was, it was nice <laughs> chatting with you all. Take care. <laughs> we did a lot of different manga. It felt like a lot of different manga, but we added up some stats from the first season based on things that we had covered. And I was actually really surprised in this section I call stats for stats nerds of the 25 titles we covered officially. We're not counting the two sponsored episodes, which was Yakuza Lover and Zom 100. We covered 15 seinen manga, two jose, five shonen, two shoujo, and one straight up other, which is the delight that we like to call with the font, which is just <laughs> not, not, not anything as far as we can Unclassifiable. Talk. Unclassifiable manga. And I think that really speaks to, you know, seinen being men's manga. We've talked a lot about these categories. Deb, you and I were talking a couple of nights ago about how basically the categories maybe don't mean anything anymore, which I think is really interesting because you look at the seinen titles that we covered and it's like A Bride's Story, Akira, and Yotsuba. And it's just like, <laughs> no, that's doesn't mean anything. So I found that to be a little bit interesting. I will say that we, out of 25 episodes, maintained a rough, you know, not that gender is a binary, but we maintained a rough gender parity with 12 books by ladies and 13 by dudes. And even if you add in the bonus manga, it was still like 13 and 14. So that's pretty good for a manga industry that is like, quite honestly, post publishing a lot more manga by dudes than by ladies in general. So that was kind of nice, despite not having a lot of Jose or Shoujo in our in our, our, our reading areas. We covered six one-shots, which is to say self-contained volumes and 18 series that were ongoing or longer than a couple volumes, which is much to Chip's chagrin. Uh, I love those I love those six one-shots. Love Wait, does Paradise one Kiss count as one of the one-shots? Which one? Paradise Kiss. I counted it as one of the one-shots. <laughs> <laughs> one one <laughs> Fuck you. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Here's the interesting thing, though. I think I double I double checked this because it doesn't seem right. We only covered one book by a creative team. That was yeah. Oisimo, where it was a separate writer and an artist. And the rest were all single creators. Our single creators, obviously, in many cases with assistants and whatnot. And that's fascinating to me, considering how many of the big series these days, especially the, some of the jump series like Jujutsu Kaisen, not Jujutsu Kaisen, uh, let's say some of the big series these days are writer-artist teams. One Punch Man is the one that comes most immediately to mind. And then, David, you, in the St. Young Men episode, wanted to put together a tally of the translators and letterers in the books that we discussed. And then that seems to have happened. Would you like to discuss that that section? <laughs> yeah. So it's sorted into uh, translation slash adaptation heroes. Jocelyn Allen is the MVP with four books, What the Font, BL Metamorphosis, Frank and Fran, and Even Though We're Adults. <laughs> Elizabeth McFarlane with two books, Yon of the Dawn and Bio Metamorphosis, and Joe Duffy with two books, Akira and Naruto. And the lettering champs were Lise Blakesley with three books, 
Nozaki-kun, Yona of the Dawn, St. Young Men, Evan Hayden with two books, Akira and Paranor Panorama Island, and Abigail Blackman with two books, Delicious in Dungeon and Yatsuba. And I think it's kind of funny that all the ones with more than one book kind of have like at least one really good book in their mm. list of credits, you know? And what like, about I think the good other people books do good have. work? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, some books are just good. Others are like Akira, you know? Yeah. yeah. I'm surprised that some of the people that I know for doing good, you know, good manga lettering aren't on the list yet. And mm -hmm. it just, when I was, when I was pulling together a list, it was just kind of amazed me. Like there are a lot of people who work in translation and lettering and that mm -hmm. aren't, aren't necessarily um, like household names to me. Mm. So, and it's just, I think it just speaks to how many people are in this industry. Yeah. Who are, are kind of unsung heroes, honestly. Much bigger than we've given it credit for sometimes, but also like, yeah, I feel that when we're trying to choose books sometimes too, where it's just like, we did 25, six episodes, 25 books come out every single week, <laughs> you know, like the, the, the number of people, like the number of manga that are being published, but also the number of people that are working in this industry is massive. So, but are uh, they any good? Find out on season two of Manga Explaining. <laughs> Meanwhile, our top commenters on the website, where you all come and say nice things about the show notes, thank you, are Miguel Corti and Erica Friedman, who show up kind of every week to say, you know, to, to check in with the books that we're reading. Really appreciate that. We have some amazing Twitter and Insta folks that are commenting all the time, and we really appreciate them. And a special shout out to our friend Eva Volan, who was our only special guest in season one, despite the fact that we kept talking about having more guests and bringing people on. <laughs> Eva, you're the Look, MVP. Chris, it's a thank pandemic, you. man. <laughs> <laughs> it'll happen it'll happen we'll do yeah more. it'll happen <laughs> i'm gonna do i'm gonna do one at least and we'll, we'll go from there so yeah the format for this show i wanted to do a look back at every episode basically and just talk about some of the things that you know what have we thought about the books since we read them in some cases you know like five or six months ago in some cases you know two weeks ago and we've seen and some of them actually were discussing them before you've all heard the episodes so that's interesting we also well, by the uh, time they hear this it they'll yeah, have heard them all yeah, yeah they'll all be out hopefully all be out. but we don't know what you thought of the frank and fran episode and frankly we can't wait to find out <laughs> <laughs> so starting off episode zero was just sort of introduction episode I, I numbered it zero because we didn't actually talk about a book but it's interesting that we talked about a lot of titles that we ended up talking about over and over and over again through the season like vagabond like lone wolf and cub like hajime no ipo which has kind of become a running gag and, then <laughs> and, and ranma ranma one half or ranma half and it's interesting that these are books that we haven't chosen yet and i, I look at that list and for me it's just all of them are massive. Like all of them are at least two dozen volumes, like huge series. You know what I mean? And I think it's one of the things that's maybe going to make it hard to choose really iconic series as the, as the thing, as this goes on, because like, these are just big, big titles. You know what I mean? Like, how do you, how do you do them justice only reading one volume out of a 28 volume masterpiece, you know? But I think what, I think what's interesting too, like what I think what's, great about having Chip's perspective is that when does a manga that someone recommends to you something worth keeping reading, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like mm -hmm. sometimes it's like the first volume is you, you need to be told this, the first two or three volumes are a little rough, but keep going. And when you get to volume three, it, it'll find its stride and you'll be hooked. But you need to know that because if otherwise you read volume one, like I guess maybe my experience with Fullmetal Alchemist, for example, mm -hmm. like I maybe read volume one, I go, that's okay. But I know everyone loves it. So when does it get good? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it's easier with TV shows because that's always the comment when someone's trying to get me to a TV show. They're like, oh, well, by episode five, it gets good. Or by the end of season one, it gets good. And But because it's such a passive thing, I can just sit there and just kind of zone out through those like four episodes. And it doesn't ask you to pay another 10 bucks to find out what's next, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Whereas reading manga, I'm just like, oh, I'm not going to sit down and keep reading this just to get to something that might be good. Yeah, and speaking as a guy who's one episode from the end of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood for the second time, like it gets great. <laughs> oh, okay. It really goes places. I trust you, David. <laughs> yeah, but a lot of it for me is like recommending manga is one thing. Recommending manga to Chip is one thing. And recommending manga to Chip for us to talk about on the podcast is a whole other thing. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So I think there are books that I think Chip would like that I don't recommend because I know it's more like a, you would like this as a normal human being who does not have to host a podcast about it kind of a thing. <laughs> I'd know? love an example of that. Uh, a lot of the weirds, like Kakegurui, actually, I feel like would be a weird read for the podcast because mm. it's like the hardcore fan service gambling manga. <laughs> but I think like you might actually get a kick out of it. It's just, it's not very deep. The way a lot of the books we've been dis- discussing have been deep or have had like context surrounding it, it sort of just is what it is, and that's mm-hmm. admirable. Like it makes it really entertaining and really fun. Yeah, that's fine. Like, yeah. not not every book has to be deep. Doesn't have to be mm-hmm. Criterion Collection manga. Yeah, I guess it would <laughs> give us a short episode of the podcast. Yeah, I would love to read Kakegurui and Kaiji together. Yeah, mm-hmm. see, that is the sort of thing I would like to recommend. Like, but these I think are some two gambling are just manga. Fun to read. Yeah. Versus fun to like perform a discussion about i think mm-hmm. uh, yeah it's interesting because i was really thinking we had, i don't remember what episode it was but we talked about how i was choosing stuff and i was choosing favorites but there's still a couple favorites that i haven't chosen because they're so personal to me but also because i can't figure out like tatsumi's work mr tatsumi was like a friend an actual friend produced great manga that's really important to me I would be devastated if I recommended that manga and y'all didn't like it. And I think you would be nice to me about it, but I think mm-hmm. if I got the sense that you didn't like something that was that important to me, so maybe I'll never recommend it for this podcast, even though I really love it. You know what I mean? So I, think I mean, now we know your weakness. Yeah, right? Now you're going <laughs> to recommend it just to hurt me? <laughs> it's good. I like that, actually. That's if, it's, actually if it helps you any, I really love his work, too. Yeah. So. We'll think. There you go. I got I got one ally. But, I think uh, my version no. of that is something like Bleach, where I love it and there are a lot of reasons to love it, but it's yeah. so up and down or rocky or however you want to describe it. Like there are parts I think are perfect, there are parts that are less good. And it would make like you need the context of the less good parts for the good the really good parts to really hit. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot to ask of someone for a you know, like an hour long podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, another consideration, too, is a lot of your picks are things that you read years ago. So yeah. maybe you won't like it as much now, mm-hmm. you know, rereading some of these choices. Yeah. Well, I felt that way about 7 Billion Needles. I mean, I'm, I'm on yeah. Wikipedia saying I loved it, and I read it again. I'm like, I'm not, I don't think it's the greatest <laughs> book I ever read, honestly. But it was, in the moment, I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, you were young and naive. <laughs> and I'm more jaded now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of choices, you guys let me pick Akira Volume 1 for the first episode. Very kind. Thank you. We just, I mean, we just finished talking about Akira Volume 2. We talked 
so much. There was so much ground to cover in that episode. And then so much that I didn't actually, that I had written notes for and not gotten to that. That's why I started the show notes so that I could be like, and I found this website that was cool. And I found this website and here's the original pages before he redrew them from Marvel and all that kind of stuff. The things that people, and then people joined in and shared stuff. Like there's some really great comments on the, on that, on a cure episode one where people are like finding cool shit on the internet and sharing it. And that's kind of where I come up from, like blogging about comics and like finding the good stuff and trying to share it with everybody. And this is a different way to do that, but I can't really think of a way to do that exactly uh, talking to people. So yeah. mm-hmm. for me, the big thing was actually coming up and like, oh, I'm going to do show notes for every episode and maybe go into depth on some of that stuff. But the thing I noticed for the rest of us when I re-listened to that episode recently is sound effects, uh, lettering. It was such a big part of that first conversation where we were talking about the difference between the Kanancha edition, the Dark Horse edition, mm-hmm. like where that came from, pulling from these like French sound effects and stuff like that. And we've kind of become known on social media for being the podcast that like goes out of its way to talk about lettering, which I think is hilarious because it's such <laughs> a big part of comics, like and how they look on the page. And it's, it's fascinating to look back at that now and see that that was right there in the first episode. And I feel but like I think maybe- that's us. Like it's not necessarily an episode thing. It's like shit works in comics. I work in manga. Chris, you've done both. Deb, you've worn a lot of hats. I think we all know about the labor involved and like how much yeah. that matters. Mm, yeah. yeah. We, it's interesting too, because that lettering discussion, I, I feel like you read a review, right? Like you read a review or you listen, you know, even to a podcast sometimes and those like invisible things don't really, no one really comments on them unless they're shit, like unless they're really mm-hmm. bad. You know what I mean? Whereas I feel like in that episode, we went out of our way to like praise these things that were really interesting and different. So yeah, straight up. I actually really like that part of that episode. We had, we had a lot of fun on the first episode. Don't get me wrong. Like it wasn't yeah. like I'm, I'm grasping at straws. It was actually really cool. <laughs> Still have our still our best episode, but or our most downloaded episode. But I think it's just because it automatically downloads when you subscribe. Yeah, the other thing that I did in that episode uh, that we talked about a lot is we compared Kira to TV series, and we actually don't maybe mention TV at all anymore, and how manga and even serialization rep- like relates to TV. And I think it's maybe be, for me. I don't really watch a lot of TV anymore. Do you guys? Do you guys think about it in those current con- like terms? The manga we read versus TV shows. I mean, I literally just talked about uh, people recommending TV shows <laughs> in episode just now. Mm-hmm. I don't watch a lot of regular TV. I'm so marinated in this culture. I watch anime. <laughs> I mm-hmm. watch TV. <laughs> so it's been a while since I've watched a episodic TV show. Like all the Marvel series, for example, are mm-hmm. basically just spoiled completely constantly so it's i just gave up getting too invested in them Mm. and then other types of tv shows i don't know it's just i it's not my habit anymore because i don't have a tv with i don't have i don't channel surf anymore i very purposely Mm. watch things Mm. unless people recommend shows to me and say hey you gotta watch bridgerton it's full of sexy time (laughs) (laughs) that's a good impression of me (laughs) I'll take one for the team and say that I watch a ton of TV because I work from home and I need like noise to focus. Oh. So I've been like watching Star Trek TNG for the first time, uh, Justified for like the fifth time. Mm. And yeah, Justified is so good. So good. And I think in that first episode, it was an easy way to kind of find our footing in terms of how to talk about manga in this way. Yeah. 
even though, you know, we're all experienced doing it, you know, like podcasting on like this, I think is fairly new to all of us. And I think as we got more comfortable discussing manga for manga's sake, like it sort of fell by the wayside because there's a language and a approach, a context that's unique to manga that we can reference now, essentially. Mm, that's mm-hmm. a good point. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Mm. In episode two, we actually covered Delicious in Dungeon, which is maybe a lot more like an episodic TV series where they're just sort of building things. And I always, I forgot this until I re-listened to the episode, but I'm like, I actually asked Chip what he thought first before I asked you guys. And all he said was, what the fuck is this? And that was like his whole response to Delicious Dungeon, the D&D themed manga where people eat the monsters. And in retrospect, I think that couldn't have been a better second book after Akira. It's so Mm -hmm. weird and maybe pushes at the boundaries of what manga are. But it was the one that introduced me to the, the episodic kind of formula mm. so it really threw me for a loop because i did not expect that as i was continuing through that volume yeah it was quite it was quite a jump off from akira because i'm still like when i picture the art i'm just like not very good mm. yeah yeah a bit of a, a bit of a jump down from akira it was interesting interesting second pick mm. it's so weird because in listening to that episode you really soften on it as you go yeah yeah, I, I, I find that's the case with almost all of these. Like any 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 one of these that I like had a weird reaction to as we talk about it, I'm just like, no, oh, it's actually pretty good. <laughs> but now two weeks or I don't know, five months later, you're just like, yeah, no, I you don't doesn't doesn't rate for you, I. Eh? I mean, it's not something I would ever revisit. It is something that I would recommend to our friend Jim Zub, and that might be it. <laughs> like if it, anyone that has those kind of interests. I, w- I would I would suggest it too, but but it's definitely out of all the books, it's pretty low on my recommendation list. I think. Hmm. Sorry, David. Uh, no big deal. It's Nothing's so for everybody. But I love that you recommended it there because I had stopped reading it at about volume three. I mean, I liked it, but I didn't feel compelled to pick up every single volume. And yeah. your recommendation made me continue reading it and realize, whoa, it 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 develops. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. It stops being a, a goofy thing about making food in the dungeon and, and it becomes a full on story. And part of the fun of the podcast for me is seeing these books through like your eight eyes? No, six eyes. <laughs> How many eyes do human beings have? <laughs> <laughs> but like getting your perspectives, getting, you know, why you like it, why you dislike it. Because yeah. for me, you know, like as a comics critic, like good and bad doesn't really matter. Like it's just like the, the first sentence in a conversation like i want to know how it made you feel like did it make you cry did it make you laugh because that's like where the meat and potatoes is for me that's where the fun of the conversation like i could probably have an hour-long conversation on a book that i did not enjoy much at all as long as there was something in that book that i could like latch on to and talk about yeah for good or for ill and i think this we do a really good job of creating those conversations mm-hmm. Green. The other big theme in that one was first one that you read backwards. You read in the Japanese mm-hmm. or reading orientation, or because your your first volume of Akira was flipped. Are you still finding it difficult to go backwards and forwards for black and white comics or manga? Because we've read a couple other ones that were flipped that read in the North American orientation as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm, now I'm at the point where I pref- I prefer it to be in, in the Japanese format, mm. just because the majority are in that format. So yeah. I, I find it hard to to actually switch 
back mm-hmm. to kind of North American reading style. Hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. Interesting. I'm in, talking- I'm in it. Yeah. <laughs> Woo. We converted another one. Uh, we were talking to Stephen Robson, who's the publisher of Journal of My Father, and he used the term reading sense as the, like the direction that it reads in the Japanese sense or the North American sense, which is what the French are using, which is the same word. It's sens, S-E-N-S. Mm. And that's where he gets like he reads a lot of manga in French. And so I've always found it really difficult to try and explain like reading backwards is is like an inherently like not racist, but absolutely imperialist <laughs> description of something. And it's like, oh, it's in the Japanese reading sense, or is it in the North American reading sense? And it's very clear. I don't know if it'll catch on here, but I thought that that was actually really interesting. And it was really hard. I actually read another Taniguchi book that was flipped and it reading it right after Journal of My Father. So hard to read Taniguchi's work in the flipped order now, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Because mm. it was never created with that in mind. Mm. You know, I mean, it's when when you create comics, you you have very definite sense of how the eye will go from one panel to the next, mm. and when you flip it, you know, it's it's changed, right? And sometimes it doesn't naturally work that way. Mm-hmm. I find it interesting that Japanese comics don't flip North American comics to read in the Japanese reading order. If you're going to read a Japanese, you're going to read in a North American comic, you're just expected to read it in the North American reading order in Japanese, and because they don't want to disrupt the art or whatever, and it's pretty uniquely a western world kind of a thing where things have to be our way if we're going to actually engage with well, them at all. yeah it's like it's like when when you know when my family goes overseas on a trip and my dad says driving on the wrong side of the road it's not the wrong side of the road <laughs> <laughs> what's that is it like the guy who directed parasite was saying you know i think western people should get used to seeing stories in their native form you're missing mm. out on a lot of great a lot of great entertainment just because you can't handle reading one text at the bottom of a screen. Mm. So like, uh, for example, we were just talking about Akira, right? And there, oh, there's always every, seems like every two or three years, there's someone who says they're going to make an American version of Akira. And then I'm on, I'm here to tell you why bother? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, have you seen the North American movie market? Like it's literally yeah. what they do. Like I don't, I don't even see that as being like a you know America first thing because they're doing it to themselves as well. It's like they reboot their own stuff constantly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's just the nature of I Hollywood, guess so. maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Moving along, we also it'll be terrible. Like you can take solace <laughs> in the fact that it's going to be terrible. Yeah. Sorry, it'll be Death Note levels of bad. Sorry, sorry, Viz. Mermaid Saga was the third book that we read, volume one. We all really liked this one, which yeah. I was actually maybe the most surprised by because it's sort of an air quotes classic manga. But apparently, Rumiko Takahashi's work is timeless, or at least her older work is. It seems like she's pretty good at her uh, job. Yeah. 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 It was really good. Yeah. Yeah. That one, that one is still the best one for surprises. Huh. Mm, yeah. You know, Frank and Frank and Fran kind of uh, tried that with there were a few good twists, but uh, even when reading Frank and Fran, I just kept thinking back to Mermaid Saga and that it did those a bit better. Hmm. Yeah. Rumiko Takahashi, everybody. One of the things that you brought up, Chip, in that episode was that you mentioned that you had seen the Miami Vice in the air tonight sequence, which is just this like long wordless sequence of mm-hmm. Crockett and Tubbs driving in a car with in the air tonight playing over yeah. it. 
And you had a great anecdote where you're like, yeah, I want to do more comics like that with like these long sequences that are just time and environment and whatever. And you were talking to some, you know, one of your buddies. Everybody's like, oh, you've been reading a lot of manga lately, huh? <laughs> and, <that> was, <laughs> yeah. and it was like clearly that had had an impact about how you were thinking about comics. Were there other impacts on how you were thinking about comics from this sort of this podcast, this experiment of reading a bunch of manga? Oh my God, I'm 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 certain. I mean, my next project is very much kind of a result of this podcast. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. It's it's uh, it's yeah. I, I can't really talk about it because it hasn't been announced. But but when it gets announced, people will be like, oh yeah, all right. This is, is it the an American version of Akira? <laughs> oh damn! <laughs> Don't spoil it for everyone. Oh, I know. It's a lesbian yakuza love story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's exciting, though. Most of my ideas come from misinterpreting a thing I've either heard or seen, <laughs> and then I realize my misinterpretation could be its own thing. Mm, yeah, that's yeah. good. I think that lesbian yakuza story needs to be done because it yeah. sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, my my next comic project. I mean, like. I have lofty ambitions to tell like these longer kind of drawn out scenes, but then I'm just like, Oh, but like, I still got to get a 20 page comic out. So it's probably Mm going to just feel like my previous work. Unfortunately, (laughs) you never know. You never know. Yeah. It's open. We then went on to our first Jose pick with number four, which was Helter Skelter by Kyoko Kozaki. And that was really interesting because it was a manga that I think we all ended up really liking, but it was filled with characters we just hated, especially the lead. And it was like really different than, I don't know, it was it was kind of an out, out of left field pick. And I actually felt really bad about this because I picked it not knowing that it was out of print, technically out of print. There are still, cop- there are still copies floating around, but it's not available anymore. And it's, yeah, I th- I I really liked that one, but I still think about like Yoko Kozaki's work all the time. And like, is there a way to actually release it and have it not be, <laughs> have it be more of a success in the North American market work like that? That's actually really difficult where you, there's no one to root for. No, <laughs> straight up. No. I don't know if that's necessarily the problem. Like, oh. yeah, um, I'm trying to think of movies like falling down. Like that guy sucks. <laughs> and I think most people who watch that movie would agree that that guy sucks. Like there are movies about unpleasant people doing unpleasant things, but I think that the challenge with Paradise Kiss maybe is that maybe there's not a lot of comics content like that that we're used to yet yeah. at the time that it came out. Helter Skelter. Oh, Helter Skelter. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Same thing for Paradise Kiss, though. Frankly, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'd say too that you know that Helter Helter Skelter Okazaki. The problem with her work is not the fact that the characters were unpleasant. Mm. It, the, the issue is that her her art takes a little getting used to. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, and the sub, and the subject matter too is like it's not a it's not a populist story, right? No. Yeah, the, the the art style is definitely very niche. Uh, it doesn't really conform to what you know the the standard young manga reader who makes up a majority of the readers might want. But that's fine. Like, I don't think it needs to be like a big commercial success. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's nice, you know, if they make back their print run and like maybe there's a bit of extra money there. But yeah, like, I don't, I don't think a book like that is ever going to be like the number one seller. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that's totally acceptable. Yeah. I kind of feel like Kyoko Kazaki is a little bit like the Velvet Underground. Like, <laughs> yeah, people who know the stuff 
read it and get influenced and inspired by it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where like, if you like Velvet Underground probably never sold as much as Led Zeppelin, but they influenced a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. I agree with that. That's a good, that I like that recommendation. Cause I also like the Velvet Underground. So it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Moving along. We did number five, which was like a really out of left field pick was what the font and that Deb, that was your pick. That was by Kenichi Ashiak. I, I have written down as my note here, this is the technically worst manga that we all really liked because uh, it has so many problems as like a, as a, as a manga, like the drawing and the lettering and the storytelling is like whatever, but we all really loved this. And that was so surprising listening to this episode and just seeing like, yeah, it was great. And I, and you even recommended it to people. Like you had to put some pretty hard caveats on that. Yeah. You were still like, mm-hmm. yeah, go check this out. And that's so surprising to me. I mean, it's a great way to learn about fonts. <laughs> like, r- really? I mean, like, it, it does the job that it sets out to do. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, there's, there's, some, there's some fun bits in it. Mm. Sometimes I mean, I that's all the school. book needs to be. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I didn't know a lot of the stuff. No, same here. Yeah, yeah I, I felt like an idiot reading that book. <laughs> I'm sorry. Hard, <laughs> Mission accomplished. Yeah. <laughs> Next up, we had Wave Listen to Me, and this is the one that I didn't super gel with. And I got to be honest, I actually didn't. I said I was going to go read volume two and see if I could get into it a little bit more, and I didn't. And it's it's so weird because I, I really want to, like I want to like it, but it's just, I don't know, I think it's like Chip was saying, it's not a priority to like mm. go read the next volume of something that you didn't love the first volume of. And I think that that's an interesting part about this whole experiment is that there is stuff that's been recommended that I hadn't read before where I keep kept reading past the end of what we were supposed to read for the podcast and really enjoyed it and have picked up other volumes and stuff. Yeah. I wonder, I don't know. I don't know if I ever did that. I'm going to think about it. Mm. I mean, a lot of the stuff I already owned or had read before, but outside of even though we're adults where I checked to see if like the next volume was out and was glad that it wasn't because I was feeling sad. (laughs) Mostly I just read like the assignment for the week and left it at that. Mm. Yeah. I will say that a lot of people, because of the the show, I think discovered Wave listened to me for the first time. So I thought that was really positive. Yeah, I, definitely. I, I, I think I think you should give it another shot, Chris. Have you so did you volume two? No, but I I really enjoyed volume one. I think I, I feel like sometimes you're not in the right frame of mind when you hit a certain book, and I feel like that one mm. you may not have been in the right frame of mind for that for that book at that time. Because I, th- I think it's got a lot of things in there that you generally would enjoy. I specifically like, yeah. And I just did not, I was reading it yeah. going, okay. And it's, it's mm. weird. there's a thing, I came to a realization a little bit late on this one. And I can't remember which one of you guys was talking about it, but it was like, you were, uh, what episode was it? It was, you were reading one of the manga for the podcast and you were like, waiting oh it was drawn it was when i just listened to delicious in dungeon you're like you chip you were like marceline's reactions to eating the monsters and everything that's going on were so crazy and over the top and she was always like so freaked out about everything (laughs) that you were convinced that she was somehow also a monster (laughs) (laughs) you just keep kept waiting and waiting and waiting for the shoe to drop you know what i mean like for the big reveal and it never came and it turns out she's just a really loud character that's like very uptight or but then again that's that's again that's another example of chip making a a spin-off idea 
That actually would have been way more interesting. <laughs> there you go. There you You're go. A storyteller, man. <laughs> I think that's what it was for we with Wave Listen to me is that I read Blade of the Immortal and every character in that series is just a total bastard. Like is just like secretly an assassin is going to murder you in your sleep. Mm. So I'm reading Wave Listen to me, which is like this totally normal everyday Hokkaido thing. And I loved big aspects of it like that, but it's just like which one of these characters that looks like an utter scumbag that would definitely be a murderer on Blade of the Immortal <laughs> is going to murder her. And it never comes. Like, it never happens. Even the downstairs neighbor who's actually been really nice to her and been like putting her in her own bed when she gets home drunk and crawls into his house being like a, like a psycho, like no one murdered anybody in that book. And I was, <laughs> Samura's work has me on edge, I think is what it is. Like I'm just waiting for that shoe to drop. Someone's going to stab somebody or like pull out a like, very thin piece of garret wire and just like strangle somebody else or something because that's keep, also keep an eye on the turtle that's all i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> no comment but keep reading <laughs> maybe, I'll, <laughs> maybe i'll go back and i'll be like all right no one's gonna get murdered or maybe wait maybe listen episode two or, or volume two will settle a little bit differently yeah Speaking of series with volume twos that land a little bit differently episode number seven was yotsubato yotsuba where like there are comments on the on the on the show notes and stuff and on Twitter was just like the difference in quality between volume one and volume two is astronomical. And it was just like, oh. And yeah, I I absolutely think that was the case where I kind of didn't love I mean, volume one is volume one and you're kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop, but it's the series just grows so much from volume to volume. That was the book that taught me that I can't just recommend a volume one sometimes. Mm. Mm. Would you like to expand yeah. on that? <laughs> well, just that, I mean, I read volume one, two, and I thought, yeah, you know, it's it's not as delightful as the the, the more recent volumes that I've read. Mm. And that the moments that I really loved were in the later volumes. Like I kept talking about the pancake one, right? <laughs> I mean, the, the pancake episode was the one that just made me laugh out loud. Mm. I think that made me really think about when I recommend manga to mm. think about what that first impression will be. Mm. And if that, that first impression is only that first book, is that a good first impression? Is that an accurate good for, first impression? Because everyone, mm-hmm. like, you know, just like kind of like Yotsuba in the book, right? Nobody hates Yotsuba. I mean, there's Yanda, and Yanda's just kind of a <laughs> jackass, but he doesn't hate Yotsuba. He just, he loves to make fun of her. Yeah. But, but nobody hates her. But the same thing. So it's like, it was hard to imagine a, a situation where I could put Yotsuba in front of somebody and they go, uh, it's okay. <laughs> what? How how could you? And then I had to read volume one. Like, if I only read volume fun, I'd probably be lukewarm on this too. Well, that was Twitter's reaction. <laughs> what do you mean, Yotsuba isn't your favorite? <laughs> oh, sorry, yo. <laughs> I think that's interesting, and that kind of becomes a theme too. Like with the whole the whole season, where it's just like things grow as series but grow in our imaginations you know what i mean like you kind of you're kind of tempted to think something's always been good and i'm actually going to skip to because i think maybe this is a better thematic link the episode that we recorded right after yotsuba was seven billion needles and that was david's pick we actually went back and dropped an episode in and we'll talk about that in a second but seven billion needles was a book david i got the sense that like meant a lot to you and really resonated with you at the time and maybe didn't hit the same way when you reread it as you know 10 years later yeah i don't think anything hits the same way when you reread it some books you know i i'm always rereading akira and it's always a different experience because i'm i'm different 
Mm. And I think that the me I was when I read Seven Billion Needles is, you know, like, what is it, eight years younger than the me that I am now or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. So there's been a lot of stories read in that time and also a lot of thought given to like the, the issues raised in that story, a lot of stories read that are similar to that. So now I have like a slightly different perspective on the same story. Like it's still good and I still like stand by everything that I said about it. But mm. looking back at it, I think for me today, it's a different book. Yeah. Mm. Not from soup to nuts, but just a different perspective on the book, different angle. Yeah. The, uh, the David of eight years ago was like, alien consciousness, take me away. Yeah, I was blown <laughs> away. Yeah. <laughs> Giant naked guys with no junk. Goodness. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Still upset about that. We got we got permission from David to bump uh, 7 billion needles a week to drop. Permission from me? permission from you to drop in another episode before it and that was way of the house husband that was the book that chip wanted to pick and do and we bumped it so that we could actually release it the same week as the anime and that actually way of the house Husband episode is our best episode not counting the first episode it is our most listened to episode because we released our take on it at the like height of the discussion of mm. way of the house husband and that also because it was my pick all because yeah. of chip the chip effect. <laughs> yeah, I, I taught you all a thing about picking manga. <laughs> we actually got a comment that was like, hey, the way the House Husband episode was really good, do you think Chip could pick them more often? And I was just like, oh, <laughs> We should do that. Yes. <laughs> you were supposed to pick another manga later on. I can't remember what book it was. Oh, yeah. But you were really interested and you were just totally forgot when it came time to pick the manga because these yeah. sessions tend to go on for two and a half hours. Yeah. You think we're long winded? We're cutting it down. David's doing the Lord's work. So, yeah, Way the House Husband, I don't think. Did you end up watching the anime? Did you end up like liking it or not liking it? Or what I, was I, I didn't watch the anime mostly because I kind of saw people talking about it and be like, it's not very good. Mm. And uh, since I, I don't much care for anime to start with, and I think the drawings and the pacing in the book itself are just so spectacular, I'm like, I'm not, not mm. going to bother. Mm. They really yeah. try to preserve the pacing of the book and the anime, and it's it, it's a different medium. <laughs> like, there's yeah. no other way to say it. They're just two different media, and you got to kind of work with the strengths of each. So, yeah, yeah to this I day, it's still the know. it's still the only book where I went and I bought the the follow up volumes. Wow. Wow. There you go. Well, we're going to get to that at the end, but yeah, it's good to know that you, where the husband still ranks so highly. Next episode with my pick, it was Tech on Kingcrete by Taiyo Matsumoto. Yeah. My note here is it is, we decided it was a manga for people who, who make comics, uh, who, who like making comics or, or yeah. like creating stuff. I kind of would still stand behind that. What do you guys think? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah same. I, yeah. Cause I remember, remember in the reading of it, like, just how much like kind of interest was put into drawing all the environments and vehicles and things. And there's definitely a clear case of somebody just who enjoys the act of drawing. Mm. Yeah. Still top three for me. I love that one. And I'm glad you all liked it, uh, you know, <laughs> to diff different degrees, but I'm glad you all liked it. Yeah. Speaking of a book that not everyone liked <laughs> episode 11, was and it's this is this is the one where we got the most like some kind of bemused feedback was full metal alchemist volume one mm. arakawa and yeah volume one might actually be bad might actually be bad comics and it's shocking people are, are nice about it don't get me wrong but the number of comments that we got that were like 
I was just listening to that and like gritting my teeth, but I couldn't disagree with anything you were saying. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's my favorite kind of comment. Yeah. I love it. (laughs) David, so you've mentioned you just got to the end of Brotherhood for the second time, which is the anime, the second anime adaptation. Mm -hmm. Is the comic as good as people think, or does it come alive in animation, which is, I think what Chip was saying was maybe his take on this. Both. The comic is as good as people think, but the animation, they do the thing where there's like, this is the good part, and like the uh, really high quality animation comes out, you know, for certain scenes. Yeah. But I think the overall story, kind of the way it builds the, like it's a shonen manga that's kind of mostly about ethnic cleansing in a way that isn't horrible. Yeah. Like it deals with like the effects, like a lot of the cast are like, oh yeah, like I kind of did some really messed up stuff a few years ago, and now I have to pay the price. Yeah. Yeah, I'll stand by it, I think. Mm. The other thing is, Arakawa-sensei is actually awesome to draw really incredible things, a couple of really incredible sequences. And it's the kinds of things that like stick in fans' minds when they th- when you say, oh, Full Metal Alchemist. And they're like, oh, that awesome scene where this happened. And you're like, that's volume 16. Mm-hmm. Like that, that, was a, that was way down the road. But it's just like one idea. This series is like one idea in your head, you know? Yeah, the number of people that were like, Actually, there was a comment I was just reading. It was like, yeah, I I remember not liking Volume 1 and only reading it because my friends pressured me into it because they were all really into it, and I picked it up and I didn't like it. And they actually compared it to Sandman by, by Gaiman and, and Sam Keith. And Sandman, I think a lot of people mm. don't know this. Back when Sandman was being released the first time through DC Vertigo, trade paperbacks weren't a thing. Like They weren't a guarantee. Like Very few things actually got trade paperback collections at that time you know 20 30 years ago now 86 87 mm-hmm. and the first collection of sandman was actually volume two because those early stories those first eight issues are all over the place there's like nine artists on like the various issues they don't necessarily cohere into a thing and the the second arc which is actually an arc with a beginning middle and end is what they released first with no number on it and a lot of people I don't think that if Sandman had been released in chronological order and you've got this like first volume of Sandman that it necessarily would have done very well. Like Invisibles was like that. Volume one was released and it sold so poorly that they didn't release anymore. And so they literally rebooted the series with a new number one. And that became volume. The next volume they released was volume four, like like six years later, seven years later. And then that sold okay. So wow. they kept going. A lot of that, I, you know, as much as I like that series, you got to credit Philly Jimenez uh, for the art on that, for really tightening up that series. But like, it's a series that I love, but yeah, I, it's not, this isn't a problem, I guess I want to say that's exclusive to manga where like the first volumes creator finding their feet happens all the time, even with established creators mm-hmm. in the West. And I, I, I think that we're just a little bit more divorced from like the origins of, <laughs> of book collections and things like that now, uh, whereas in manga kind of i don't know i think we're still finding ground in manga mm-hmm. it's interesting too that most the two most recent editions of full metal alchemist aren't the first volume it's the hardcover which has the first one and a half volumes which has the like killer story about the doctor you know turning his own daughter into a weird dog mm-hmm. person and the other edition is the first three volumes in one and those give you a much bigger sense of the world and sort of what the stakes are for the series so i think it's really interesting how stuff's collected and i think it goes back to deb what you were saying about what are we actually reading uh, on the on the book speaking of which what are we actually reading the next book was oishinbo and that was one where there's kind of seven interchangeable volumes i think everyone started Mm. with what was technically volume one i i went back and and read the comments and stuff for that one and i still don't know that i got a sense what do you actually think of oishinbo 
this far away from from having read it for for the manga podcast you all were kind of like really mixed on it at the time but you weren't like i'm never going to read it again either still haven't gotten around to the rice volume so but i yeah. will yeah but day. you weren't like it, my you, recollection you is that, i liked I it that you would read another volume if there was something specific you wanted to know about but you weren't going to read it for fun is maybe my recollection of it yeah but i mean that's i i wouldn't read most of these again for fun really do you read comics for fun at all though <laughs> like do you even lift bro mm, this is true oh my god has being in the profession ruined reading comics for fun for you partly yeah uh, yeah i mean the, the, there have been instances like especially uh, doing this podcast mm-hmm. where i've like I have really enjoyed reading a lot of these, but but none of them really hit the point where I'm like, I go out of my way to reread or pick up the next volumes of it because the, the, the reading list by my bed is just too high of okay. stuff I have to read for work. That so that's all I mean by that. Mm. But Oshimbo, like I, I, I genuinely enjoyed it. There's there some really great moments in it and it just, it, it really created such a great mm. sense of, food you know i mean what it set out to do like i i craved going out to restaurants again I my first Japanese restaurant this past weekend and it was yeah everything i wanted and more it was so it's been a long year and a half <sighs> that's lovely yeah I was going to say, like, you know, because the oishimbo volumes were just like theme themed around the food but not necessarily mm. in a straight narrative arc yeah if you if you want that narrative arc experience like how the how the story other than the food progressed in the manga oishimbo has anime has an official channel on youtube where you can watch from episode one up to i don't episode how many but you basically get the reading the story experience in order there you go you've now got something to zone out to in front of the television i'd be more interested if they did like a, a volume where they like they kind of cherry picked not based on you know, the type of food or whatever, but mm. based on story. Ah. Mm-hmm. Like, they're just like, oh, this thing happens in this chapter that people need to understand for the story. And this thing, like, I think that would be, it. if I were in charge of publishing, that's what I would do. I would put out an Oshimbo collection that was just about the story itself and not about, mm. you know, oh, this is a, these are all stories about ramen. At a certain level, there's no real story to Oshimbo. I think it's like, it has. To, it just resets at the end of. It's like The Simpsons, uh, except it's about, about a really mean father-son duo that like Japanese food but hate everything else, including clipping their nails at the office. I haven't watched all the Oishinbo anime, so I don't know whether their their relationship evolves in any way. Mm. But and also, I haven't watched The Simpsons for fifteen years, so maybe <laughs> those relationships have been, no. evolved. <laughs> All right, that might be halfway point for this season, Ocean Bow Volumes. And I think that's a good time to take a little break. We'll insert the break here. We'll be right back after these messages from our sponsor. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. 
And we're back. Hopefully that was a good break with a good commercial, if there are such things. We left off with the halfway point. We are starting what was the second half of season one. Episode 13 was B-Stars. And this was such a weird pick. I feel like you almost didn't finish reading the first. Like you were going to maybe just be like, what is this? I'm not going to read this anymore. This isn't comics. And you ended up in a very different place on that one. Yeah. Yeah. The the art, I'm, I'm still, in my mind, I can picture certain scenes that I'm bouncing off of right <laughs> still, now. Still, huh? Yeah, yeah. I still have not picked up Volume 3, which involves You've eggs, gotta I believe, that chapter. the thing I need just to get to. just got to read that chapter, All the right. salad sandwich mm-hmm. chapter. All right. In, in my retirement, I will. <laughs> I will say that about this whole endeavor. In my retirement, I will continue a lot okay. of these, but not until then. My pick for the next episode of Manga Explaining is Beastars Volume 3, cha- Chapter 6, The Egg Salad Sandwich Chapter. And we'll just <laughs> talk about that for an hour. It's going to be great. Perfect. Moving along then to episode 14, which is Paradise Kiss. David, I feel like you already had the, the, the hot take on this one. Uh, characters we hated yeah. in manga that we kind of enjoyed. It's it's a really good lane to be in. Like Superman is cool, but he's always going to make the mm-hmm. right decision. So give me Daredevil, who is yeah. heavily concussed <laughs> and possibly a lunatic. Yeah, you're talking my language. <laughs> and that's sort of how I feel about books like this. Like, show me the grimy, you know, shenanigans. Yeah. This is that yeah. is a book of grimy shenanigans. I will say it, it was great how many people came out of the woodwork to be like. Yeah, I read it in Metal Down as a teen, but I reread it now and I'm just cringing so hard, but I'm still glad I read it. <laughs> so that's that's a good one. Next up was yeah. our first, of, maybe our first official, official Shonen book, which was David picking Naruto Volume 1. And that's something oh, yeah. I think we, we've come back to quite a few times to talk about over the course of like the rest of the episodes. I feel like that that's, that's important for us to talk about, to expose Chip to books like this, because it is such a foundational example of a a type Mm -hmm. of manga and a type of storytelling that Mm -hmm. you can just like how people always talk about lone wolf and cub right like you can you can go back to it and say oh yeah like in naruto blah 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 and it it provides a a jumping off point for talking about Mm -hmm. other manga yeah Yeah, like a shared language Mm -hmm. yeah this is really well done yeah i think it's a a solid one but do you feel like you've gotten enough of that foundation would you like to see more like foundational classic works or do you want more like contemporary or you're just happy to take it as it comes i mean i mean only if they're good <laughs> that's the thing naruto's like foundational mm. and clearly hits all the the archetype the tropes of of that genre mm. but it does it really well like as long as it does it well unless it becomes repetitive then i'll bounce off it i'm sure mm. it does moving along <laughs> panorama island <laughs> Uh, Suhiro Maruo and Edogawa Rampo, published by Last Gasp. This was Deb's pick, and I just remember, I mean, not to give away all the secrets, Deb and I talked for weeks about how worried she was about having picked this, <laughs> and how like she was she was thought that Chip was going to hate it, and how <laughs> like she, he had to buy a hardcover book to actually read it, and... Yeah, it was amazing how we all really liked it. I was so angsty about it. (laughs) (laughs) Will everyone think I'm a weird pervert? (laughs) But but that kind of speaks to some of the, like, when we all talk about how we pick manga, right? And one of the reasons why I picked that was I feel like we have this, we have this platform to, to promote books. And sometimes let's, it's good to promote books that are good. Are interesting, but not necessarily what everyone has seen or read in their every bookstore. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. 
Last Gasp publishes very few manga, but the way they do publish is quite good. And like everyone loves Junji Ito. He's practically his own category of manga yeah, nowadays. Yeah. So I, I thought, you know, if you guys like horror manga, let's bring you into the another uh, option. So anyway, that's kind of some of how I think about when I recommend manga. Mm, yeah. But of course, I'm angsty about it because I read it and I thought, no, I've read better books by him. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I really took a chance on the next book, which was even though we're adults, I like the creator, but I hadn't read this book. This is the first book I think that we recommended that we hadn't actually read or even at any point. It was brand new. It was relatively new as well. And I'm remarkably surprised at how well it turned out. Like it was a big roll of the dice. We could have been reading just something that was, well, not good, let's say. But it seemed, mm-hmm. everyone kind of dug that one, including myself. And I'm, I'm so happy to, to hear that everyone kind of dug it. I wish I wish there was a book that was like that that featured you know gay dudes <laughs> that I could recommend mm-hmm. but anything I've read that's sort of in that space isn't isn't quite the same and it's like I'm happy to have recommended the book I think it's a great book but it's like I kind of want the gay dude version of that book to exist and even things that I do like like what did you eat yesterday which is about gay dudes isn't exactly the same thing unfortunately which is you know it is what it is yeah one day you'll have your even though we're also adults manga. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I feel like there's still work to do there, but yeah. Anyway, next up we had the divisive is the anime better or is the manga better? Monthly <laughs> Girls Nozaki Kun. And I feel like you listen to that episode and it's really clear. And then Chip surprised us like just a couple episodes ago by saying he kept watching the Nozaki-kun anime and really liked parts of it that were coming up later. <laughs> yeah, I still don't think it, it comes near the heights of the manga. Really? I think I think the pacing and the the the, the speed of the jokes and the drawings like really really aid the humor mm. more so in the manga. Also, maybe it's just like. I can't tell if it's because like I'm I'm generally a, a humorous person and might not come through on this podcast. <laughs> that maybe I'm filling in the gaps in the voice and like like that's such a part of comics is what you bring mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. And sometimes I think with some of the humor stuff, I'm like, I'm filling in these kind of weird gaps that when I I, I see it in anime, I'm like, oh no, that's not how that should be delivered. Mm-hmm. That's not the motion that should follow that still shot. Mm. Like, I feel like I have more critiques over over anime as a result mm. because I'm 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 filling in the gaps in the manga. Cool. Mm. That's fascinating, actually, and I think it maybe ties into maybe we'll get into this later on another episode. But it ties into the idea of why we <laughs> bounce off of anime or manga, like bounce off of things. And maybe there isn't because the author isn't leaving space for us to invest ourselves into. That's. Mm. That's another big one. Big topic for later. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Speaking of big topics for later, our first very long, very, very long episode was actually episode 19. Our first time covering two separate manga. It was uh, Yona of the Dawn and then the uh, sponsored edition of Yakuza Lover. Yakuza Lover. (laughs) It's a hit. I'm telling you, we got to take this to SoundScan. There you go. (laughs) Yeah, Deb, you did not enjoy Yona of the Dawn. And I think that might be the biggest surprise for me 
from this whole podcast is ha- like that you got to the end of that and you were just like Meh, like did not enjoy it because i actually really love like i really liked it the more i think about yona of the dawn the more i actually like it and that's weird hmm, wow it's not wow that good but i have nothing to <laughs> Like I know I have a a things are out of order. Like that first volume is technically a mess. There are flashbacks within flashbacks. Like it's a disaster, but like by volume three, I'm like, man, she pulled it off. This is a solid action adventure. Like Jojo <laughs> fantasy manga who wouldn't want this. And you know, I, it was so surprising that I read that and felt so good about it. And I get to the episode and you're just like, I have seen this before and I do not care for it anymore. And I was just like, wow, very clear. From I was going to mention that. I think that, for example, if you compare Deb and I, I think Deb has read a lot more st- shoujo stories in general, and probably also shoujo stories of this type than I have. Mm. But this is like brand new to me. Mm. Ah. So okay. I think it's fresh for me in a way that it might not be fresh for Deb. Uh, not to put words in your mouth. No, you know, I mean, I was, I was trying I to figure that out too because it it perplexed me as well. Because mm. yeah. I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm probably the the person who most felt like we didn't do enough shoujo manga in the first season. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I felt like that was a, that was a, a problem and that mm-hmm. to be prevented with a shoujo manga that I just, just didn't do anything for me. Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of shocking to me. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to take the chip roll here and say, I haven't read to volume three mm. and maybe I need to force myself to do that, to see what uh, the hype slacker. is. Slacker. <laughs> But, you know, as it stands now, it's like, I like Skip Beat better. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's like that. You know, sometimes I'll pick up a Seinen book and I'm like, this is just some loser with, like, gratuitous nudity. Yeah. And normally those are great things. But sometimes you hit a book and you're just like, this is the boring version of what I like. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I, I've purged all those comics from my collection, but I feel you. Not digitally yet. Why didn't you just give them to me, Chris? Come on. And then Yakuza Lover. <laughs> I don't know if we I don't know if we're officially counting that as a book that we've read, but I kind of have been. And it's just like that Mike, that my God, that had nothing to do with anything that we were reading this year. It was so out of left field. Like that whole like sitting down to read that, and I was just like, what the hell? It was all splash pages. It was all like fluids. It was just so much. <laughs> so much going on in that book that had nothing like it. I don't know. It didn't even feel like at times it didn't even feel like the rest of the manga that we were reading. You know what I mean? Like it, it still feels like a manga. It still has a lot of those hallmarks and things like that. Yeah. And I was it, reading it. It, it, I, did, it did the job. It did the <laughs> it job. Did the job. <laughs> I mean, I will say that we, 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 because we're trying to introduce Chip to good manga, mm. we have not introduced him to a lot of trashy manga. Oh. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a lot of trashy, That's guilty trashy pleasure manga out good. there. No, I'm, and, I'm I'm on board. We still got to do Dick Fat yeah. Island. So yeah, let's. let's <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's yeah. That is my one regret is that I didn't manage to recommend Dick Fat Island because there were so many other things that were like on the list. Yeah, like I said, you guys ever want to go twice a week on this podcast? You let me know, and I'll have just like twice <laughs> as many picks that we can read. Dick Fight Island has volume two coming out, so maybe. Yeah, there you go. There that you could go. be good. Next up was episode 20, the long-awaited a book that is really high quality <laughs> following Akira, <laughs> and that was a bride story. Yeah, that was interesting how short that episode was because it was just like, we all loved this. We just loved it. And it's not that there wasn't things to say, but yeah, it's there was no conflict. There was It was just like, oh, yeah. so good. Yeah. Some things are just good. <laughs> Yeah, I think the one revelation for a bride story for me 
was that you had not read it before, Chris. Yeah, I I don't know. I was maybe just so burnt out on CMX's stuff. I don't really dig on the Victorian stuff, so I never read Emma. And then by the time that mm-hmm. people were like, a bride story and it was just not where my head's at it was like historical fiction set in like the 1700s or whatever like it was just like no uh, it's not where i'm at and now like yeah i can't i'm definitely going to keep reading that series i'm not going to get caught up unfortunately because there's too much to read and too much to do but i would never like if volume two shows up in my house if andrew if you end up listening to this episode you bring volume two for home for me i'll be a very happy boy so thank you (laughs) next up speaking of comedy saint young men a David pick, a David pick where Chip kept falling asleep while reading it. <laughs> Nobody's perfect. I didn't, I didn't actually fall asleep. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's on the record, sir. I, 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 I believe it just took me a lot of different tries. Fair enough. <laughs> if you, if you read the hardcover and it would fall on your head and then it would be really painful. That oh, would yeah, be the way. Yeah. Oh, the references thing in that episode really surprised me because we've had like minor differences in our books before as we read Mm. but never one that had such a drastic effect on the reading experience Mm. with the references being between the chapters for you three and at the end of the book for me yeah yeah it changed everything and it's so weird it's really weird and we noticed that a little bit Mm -hmm. with akira in volume one or in episode one sorry where it's like all of our editions didn't quite line up but i don't think it changed the reading experience to the extent that saint young men did i will say Chip, of all the books that we've read that you've been like, volume one was okay, or oh, I didn't really like it, and I'm not going to keep reading. That's the one where I think if you read a second volume and got into the rhythm of it, and honestly, the mangaka gets a little bit better with volume two, you specifically in your love of comedy, I think you would really, really enjoy it. And maybe that'll be something we do. We, we keep all right, <laughs> add it to my retirement pile. <laughs> I will say that, you know, like I wanted this manga to be in English for so long, mm. so passionately that when it finally did come out, I immediately bought the digital edition and I wanted, because I wanted to read it so badly. Mm. But, you know, after listening to the episode, I felt like, you know what? If I really love this book, I got to put my money where my mouth is. Mm. So I went to write stuff and I bought all five of the omnibuses. Oh, wow. Just say, nice. you know I'm going to support this shit. Also, it was on sale. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Everyone wins. Yeah. <laughs> Journal My Father. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so embarrassed by that episode. I'm sorry. What? No. No, it was so authentic <laughs> and honest, Deb. You're the best. Yeah. It was... I look back and I regret not sharing a little bit more, but I'm still dealing with some of the things that maybe you guys have already dealt with <laughs> there. So, but I will say it was, I was listening to that episode and I was just like blown away by how much you guys were, were willing to share and how the book affected you and touched you. The, honestly, that episode just went up yesterday and people are, we're getting emails, Instagram DMs, everyone on Twitter is being so nice and like loving the episode. It's, unbelievable that i don't know this day and age i feel like you share an authentic part of yourself and you don't immediately get shit on that's pretty good (laughs) i'm grateful (laughs) maybe i am cynical i'm also glad that my mom doesn't listen to this i had had that in my head too when i was talking about my dad during that episode of my call thank god dad has no idea what i do for a living mom doesn't have twitter or facebook either so thank you generation gap Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Does your dad know about your impression of him, Chip? It's really good. Oh no, I don't even know that I do an impression. Oh God, <laughs> you do a little. 
You got a little bit of the Northern Ontario accent that he's got when you, when you say things that he's saying and it's actually like very <laughs> subtle, but yeah, it's pretty good. Wow. Oh, wow. Now I'm self-conscious. Oh no, uh, don't did love it. please keep sharing. It was so good. That was amazing. Thank you. I, I really now appreciate it. I'm going to put on like a weird accent next time I try and tell <laughs> no, a story I really about appreciate my dad. I'm going to have that in my in head. Chip, I thought that was really wonderful. Mm. Yeah. Those were great. It added to it, I think. Like it wasn't like a like vaudeville accent. It was just like, oh, this is like how his dad sounds to him, you know? Yeah. Well, now you'll never hear it again because it will <laughs> be in my head that I do this thing. I'll probably be like, and then my dad said, oh, hey there, Chip. <laughs> Even better. You're, You're right. just lucky yeah. I got too choked up to imitate my dad because my dad is a full-on <laughs> pigeon. <laughs> it was amazing listening to you each talk about your experiences that the book reminded you of in a very different way. You all, you each come to those experiences and talk about them and remember them and share them very differently. And I think that that was awesome actually. So I don't know. Everyone's saying that that was the best episode. They haven't heard the Frank and Fran episode yet. So you know, still time. <laughs> so, oh, no, it's, it's a barn burner. <laughs> Next episode was BL Metamorphosis, and this was Deb's mm. pick. Yeah, I actually, I didn't, I didn't share this cause I felt like we had done the, the sad stuff on the previous episode, but the first time I was reading Beale Metamorphosis before, even before this in the Japanese with, with my Google translate on my phone and stuff, I actually cried at the end. The, the wow. scene. It was the first place that I ever went in Japan. I was like really emotional and welled up anyway. And it's been a shitty year. I mean, whatever everyone knows, but where mm-hmm. she's like, like she misses out on the opportunity to share that space, that, that, that going to sunshine 60 and with her husband. Cause she doesn't want to go because the line's too long. I've done that. I don't know, a dozen times, maybe, maybe dozens of times in, in Japan and Ikebukuro and Sunshine 60 are the first places that I went to in Japan. The first time I went and I went with Andrew and the idea, it really hit for me. Like if I had lost that, that opportunity, cause I had been too tired or I didn't want to wait in line to go up the elevator. I'd been too lazy or whatever. That was the first time in a long time that a manga connected with me and was like, this is what you would have lost. This is what she's feeling mm-hmm. right now. This is what she lost. And it killed me. And I, that's why I didn't actually recommend Beale Metamorphosis, even though, I don't know if you go back and listen to the episode. Where I didn't know that. Oh, you recommended it. It's so good. That way I didn't have to be responsible <laughs> for it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I didn't actually have to host or share or have uh, any feelings, but it was so perfect. good. And I don't mind sharing now because we actually did an episode of the podcast where we shared feelings and people weren't mean. So I'll share that now. But yeah, that's that was a really important experience for me was reading that book and seeing all those places that were reflected in my life and those feelings and those moments. So thank you for that. Like, honestly, it was, it was really nice for me to, to get to read that as part of the podcast. So anyway, my, 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 uh, motives for sharing BL metamorphosis was a little bit different. Oh yeah, I know. Cause I wanted <laughs> to introduce chip to the concept of boys love manga mm. and also the concept of that there can be older people in manga, not just teenagers. Yeah. And this was a very sweet book. I'm a little bit dreading the last volume because I think we all know how what's going to happen at the end yeah. at some point. <laughs> no comment. September. Yeah. September. <laughs> it's coming too soon. Anyway, it's 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 an amazing, it's a lovely book. But yes, I, yeah. I, I agree with your point, Chris, that it wasn't everyone's top five manga. It was good, but not everyone's out of all the great books you read this year. For me, it was. This might there. be my top five. We'll, we'll, we'll talk really? about it for yeah. sure. We'll talk yeah. about it for sure. Okay. We got two left that we did this year. Well, actually, th- two and a half, let's say. Episode 24 was Frank and Fran. And I've been cracking jokes, but I keep <laughs> thinking about that book. 
<laughs> so bizarre. Uh, and I, I can't stop thinking about it. But in, and yeah. it's, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I win. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you do. Worm its way into your head and heart, Chris. And it's so popular. Like doing the show notes for that episode, it has like a real fandom. Like that book that is like went yeah. out of print and wasn't reprinted by Seven Seas. Like cosplayers. It's like a sleeper hit thing. And like everyone, like it was such a, like it's, it had a moment that I, that missed me like right over my head. So having read it now, I can kind of see it. But it was shocking. Anyway, just Google Frank and Fran and <laughs> prepare to be amazed. I think she's a, she's a great character. Like out of all the books we read, like she's a real standout, I think mm. as a character, as a very kind of a unique, a unique take on like the mad scientist. Mm. Yeah. Agreed. That episode was also Zom 100 volumes one and two. And that actually I, I just saw a French comics editor I follow. I guess they just released Zom 100 in French. And he was just posting about it. And he's like, a really good zombie manga. Wait, don't go. Don't stop. Like, don't stop reading this this post. Like, trust <laughs> yeah. me, you got to read this one. This one's good. I was actually surprised at how much I liked it, considering how burnt out I kind of am. And everyone, I feel like, is on, on zombie stuff. Yeah. I, w- I was also really pleased to hear that the Alice in Borderland, his other work, it got licensed this week. Yeah, so. I just t- saw that. They're finally going to do Alice in Borderland. It only took a Netflix live action show that is really good. So that's yeah, the <laughs> show is great. But yeah, Zom 100, surprisingly, like that's the other one that I'm like, I actually really want to see what volume three is all about. And if it turns in like the first two volumes are light and fun, but I kind of want to see if volume three turns into anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because well, they're going back to his hometown. Yeah. Yeah. I just met someone from Gunma, actually. It's going to be great. <laughs> Finally, we have no distance. We recorded it an hour and 17 minutes ago. Akira, <laughs> you know, it hasn't aged well since we did the podcast. <laughs> like, I saw bits of volume three, and I don't know, man. Yeah. David, you should just insert all of the podcast right here. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Manga Explaining. I do think it's weird that we ended up choosing Akira for the framework of this podcast, and then we ended up reading almost exclusively seinen manga. Not exclusively, but like more than half of the books we read this year were seinen manga. Particularly when you throw in, you know, some of the other stuff that we talk about, and it's just like, would this series, would this whole podcast have been different if our first manga? was something else and then that set the tone and then the direction and the kinds of things we talked about like you chip you keep comparing books that we read to akira and saying it you know falls flat or falls short or is a step down or... uh, I, I don't i don't think i do that that often sure I, th- I think i think you bring that up more than i do <laughs> in a way of like pointing to me you'd be like oh i know it's not as well drawn as akira chip <laughs> which is not what i ever mean by it but yeah, I mean, it's clearly is like the gold standard for for art. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, everything's everything in, in its own way is a step down from Akira. I think our choices would have been different if we'd started with a different book. But I think the podcast would have largely been the same. I mean, yeah, you know, in terms of mood, in terms of vibe, the the types of stories we were getting into. Yeah, but yeah. I think Akira provided a nice baseline of like, here's where things can go. Mm-hmm. Instead of like starting with like a very middling book, where we're like, all right, Chip. What did you think of this very average work? <laughs> or if we threw you something really challenging, right? And then you were like, yeah. like you don't, 
other than you're like, what is this? Mm. But I also want to, I mean, as far as I, see, I feel people, like sometimes you guys view me as like a cat, like a neighborhood cat. <laughs> They're like, oh, 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 are we approaching him too quickly? Oh, oh we put down little kibbles. Oh. <laughs> Not me. I'm just trying to trip you up. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I do want to say, like, for example, we are all grownups, right? And so yes. we have, we've all been reading comics for many years and we have grown up tastes. Mm-hmm. So, and that's what Sane and Manga is. Mm. And, and, and I think some of the best work for people like us who have been reading comics for a while is Sane and Manga. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Sorry. I'm a grown, I'm a grown up with grown up taste. So give me some more Yakuza lover. Yeah, or, or some saucy shoujo. Yeah, <laughs> saucy, saucy, yeah, yeah. Shoujo. saucy shoujo. Yeah, and I think, I think starting off, I think a lot of people were really surprised that we didn't start off with Tezuka, but no one was upset yeah. that we started off with Akira because Tezuka has just come to sort of define this like huge space in manga. But really, it could have been. Like it could have been One Piece. It could have been. This could have been a more shonen, like commercial comics focused thing, and dug into shonen every episode. It could have been just classics. Like it could have gone Tezuka and then into Rosa Versailles by Roko Keda and Udon, or and then into like the fanographics Motohageo stuff, and then whatever. Like it could have gone in so many different directions. And it's interesting now to look back yeah. with this episode to see that, like, yeah, Kira bookending each sort of season did affect the books that we chose i think in a way and that's you know mm-hmm. we're still us I, don't, I think that we respond i don't think i've ever <laughs> I, I can honestly say i don't think i've responded to any of the books in a less than honest way which i probably yeah. should have at a couple times like i really shat on light novels a couple times and i probably should have just kept my mouth shut but <laughs> that's okay you know it is what it is on that note i know I, I don't, you know what, that's my closing thought. Deb, David, you, you both had, a, I think we had talked about a few closing thoughts on the series. Did you want to, you want to dig in any of those? Yeah, I'll go first. First, it's weird. That's your closing thought. The podcast could have been real different is, is, is my closing really? thought. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. For me, part of the joy, a big part of the joy of the podcast is talking comics with all three of you, but also Taking all the things I know about comics and finding ones to recommend to Chip has been a fun challenge mm. because it's less like trying to lure a feral cat and more like trying to figure out his taste mm. <laughs> and like not, not just his taste, but what he might like, what he might not like, but also what might surprise him. Mm. Yeah. So I've been kind of counterpicking my choices based on what Deb and Chris have been doing mm. and trying to go either like really specific or kind of left field with some of them. And like, you rise to the challenge every time you're super curious. And that's like one of the most admirable things about you mm-hmm. next to your incredibly handsome beard and personal style. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so my final thought, this has been a really fun season. Looking forward to season two. Mm. Deb. Final thought. Oh, <laughs> I guess I would say like, I've been a guest on podcast before and I've never been on a podcast before. So mm. this has been kind of really a nice exercise and, being able to talk about manga in a way that where I'm not the special guest mm. expert, but I'm one of four people who like, we all like and know each other and we can kind of talk about stuff in a really fun and some, and sometimes very real way. Mm. Mm-hmm. I love that what we're doing is we are introducing manga to people who haven't read much manga before, which I think is our goal. I think a lot of anime manga podcasts sometimes are generally geared towards the already converted Mm. people who already know and love manga but you know i i firmly believe there are people who are interested in manga 
but find it intimidating to get into. Mm. So I hope that mm-hmm. what we're doing is we are we're reaching both types of audiences, people who are like manga but are curious to hear about what else is out there, and as well mm-hmm. as people who are like previously were scared of manga, but it's like, damn it, it's the best-selling genre out there. <laughs> what you know, I, I gotta yeah. I gotta figure out this stuff, whether it's because they're librarians or they're comic book shops or they they have you know their kids are reading manga they they want to understand it and if we can if what we're doing makes it a little bit more approachable a little bit more intriguing a little less intimidating i think that's awesome mm. yeah i think so <laughs> so far so good 25 more episodes and we'll see where we're at we'll see if they get that manga explaining bump after all that we keep hinting at yeah i i we just got to do like oprah man <laughs> like, like, bam! As soon as it's on Among Us planning, it's going to sell another couple thousand copies. That's the dream. The dream. <laughs> Chipper, any final thoughts on season one Among Us planning? I don't. I don't mean to make this sound so as big as it is, but like I do feel partly because my career is in writing comics and drawing comics that this podcast has been weirdly life changing. <laughs> oh. Because because it's it's kind of forced me to kind of reevaluate my work, reevaluate comics on a whole, and and how to incorporate and maybe make the stuff that I produce better, mm-hmm. and also to analyze things a bit closer, because that that part of me has kind of dropped off over the years, in which I'm just constantly kind of putting out product, taking in product in order to incorporate it into that product. Yeah, yeah, no, this has been amazing. Like you guys have opened my eyes, so many new things, and and. You know, just on a personal level, like this pandemic's been real shitty. I don't know about you guys. Yeah. Yeah. And and being able to check in with people who are funny, smart, friendly, like the three of you are three of the best people I know. Mm. And being able to check in once a week and and talk about things that we're all passionate about has just been fantastic. Thank you. I feel the same way. That's really, yeah. It's been delightful. But I'm really busy, so I can't join you for season two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no! Oh, no! <laughs> Part of me really I'm wants kidding. to cut the episode there and just put the theme song in. <laughs> yeah, just drop the theme song. Manga <laughs> <laughs> uh, explaining with Matt Fraction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you do not want that. You do not want that. <laughs> what a lovely note to go out on. Thank yeah. you all. Yeah, we... This podcast did better than any of us ever thought it was going to do, frankly, and it's because of all of you listening. So thank you so much for listening and downloading and recommending it and sending us nice notes. Like, honestly, we like just hanging out with each other, which is, as as Chip said, mm-hmm. kind of how this got started. But yeah. the, <laughs> the fact that people are listening is kind of nice, <laughs> you know, it's, it's pretty good. Let's all do it again in about a month for, for season two. I'm Christopher Butcher for Deb Aoki, David Brothers, and Chip Starsky. We'll see you soon. Take care. This has been Manga Splaining, episode number 26, the recap episode. Thanks for listening. For our next episode, we'll be back at the beginning of September with Osamu Tezuka's Phoenix. Want to pick up a copy? Consider supporting your local comic book and manga specialty shop. You can find one near you at comicshoplocator.com. 
You can also follow along with our complete reading list at mangasplaining.com. Thanks again to DADS for their musical accompaniment this episode. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.